0: This is Talk Is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Stephen? What is your full... there? There is no longer name for Kyle, is there? It's like just Kyle. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, there's lots of nicknames for Kyle, but uh, we won't go there today. So.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are ones we discuss
1: offline. <laughs> so episode 65, what a cool um, opportunity uh, to connect with Michael Hunter. Uh, the guys got a lot of fame behind him, um, and some might say for the wrong reasons. I say for the right reasons, but uh, – a lot of controversy over the antler uh, restaurant in uh, Toronto. You maybe remember back, I think it was 2019. uh, There was all the controversy. Basically the antis got a hold of antler and we're trying to make a, a statement around, uh, you know, serving quote wild meat, although it's farmed, but uh, serving, you know, game meat, I guess is, um, was the issue. Right. So uh, became a big thing. It was in the national post. There was, I remember seeing articles on CBC about it and, um, so he kind of got his rise to fame through that whole thing there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He, uh, I I remember this when it first came out. I think it was 2018, early 2018. Okay? Yeah. yeah, and his his staff member wrote uh, a slogan that was uh, going around at the time on the, uh, the the menu board outside, and well, things kind of exploded for him as we get into. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's. uh Made The best of a, I guess we'll call it a shitty situation, but yeah, just great conversation. I've wanted to talk to him for for quite a while now and glad we could connect and love his cookbook. So,
1: yeah, so the Hunter Chef cookbook, uh, you and I both own it. Um, you know, I, I, uh, interesting enough, I, I'd known about the cookbook, but I had never uh, really you know, reached out or picked it up and the kids grabbed it to me for Christmas. So I was like, oh my goodness. And then we were talking about having Michael on. So, uh, just a great segue there. Great fit. And, uh, just a great talk with him. Just really cool to hear, you know, obviously a really busy guy. You could just talk like when we're talking, he, he's, uh, he's just so he's got his hands and so many things and really, um, you know, really cool guy to talk to.
0: Oh, definitely. I've, I've heard him on, uh, ranella podcast and seen a bunch of his his stuff online and he's uh he definitely isn't all talk he lives up to the name right he's he's he's, he's working hard at what he does and he's good at it so
1: well that cookbook is unbelievable like the recipes in there are phenomenal and i've only tried one or two but uh i can't wait to to try some of the other stuff it's really cool that he 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 talks about which ones to try that his favorites are there so uh yeah i'm we'll have him back on the show and we'll have to do a few more recipes out of the book there for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've tried a couple out of there, but
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's a great book. If anybody doesn't have it, and it's uh, we'll drop a link in the show notes on where to grab it. Definitely highly recommended.
1: And then he's also the owner of uh, antler bar antler kitchen and bar in, in Toronto. So if you ever make it out that way, that's the one that, you know, kind of exploded because people were protesting in front of it, literally had hundreds of people in front of his, business there and he's trying to run his business out of there. So if you ever get to Toronto, go and check it out. It's uh, obviously a great restaurant. So um, Okay. Housekeeping stuff. Uh, the big thing that we want to remind our listeners is we have our wild sheep salute to conservation. It's going to be on March the 12th, a uh, virtual event this year. Uh, you can get registered for it. Registration starts for free. And then there's a $20 and a $50 registration. Uh, the more you spend, the more chances you get to win. So you just do the free registration. You can win some Sitka stuff. Uh, you do $20. So there's a chance to win um, some Yeti products. And then $50, you also get your name in for uh, Stone Glacier backpack. So there's, I don't know, $1,500, $2,000 worth of prizes there. We're going to give a bunch of things away that, uh, on the twelfth, um, it's an all-day thing. Starts at two o'clock. There's going to be project updates from our project chair, Chris Barker. Uh, it's going to be live and interactive with the regional bios. You can ask questions as a webinar style. And then at five o'clock, we go live with our. Uh, we have a timed and online uh, auction that's live. Uh, we'll have the auctioneer in the room. We got some great auction items. We got a grizzly bear hunt. Uh, we got a gator hunt. Your good friend Bree. Um, uh, hooked us up with that. Thanks for that Steve. Um, so just some great uh, opportunities to support wild sheep. We're giving away a ton of stuff and then at 10 o'clock I think it is we're going to go live and we're going to draw for our WSR so there's still some tickets there if you need some of those. We have a, over $150,000 in prizes right there and we're going to draw that live. Uh, we got uh, Bighorns and Brews which is going to be uh, you're going to sit down with Nolan Osborne and friends and have some uh, beers and talk about wild sheep. What's going on in the wild sheep world Uh, So we just got a great, great day planned for you. So go over to wildsheepsociety.com and um, you'll see the link on our homepage there. Click on that, get registered. Um, And then you also need to register for the online hunting auctions as well, which you can do through that page. So it's going to be a fun weekend. We're giving away tons of stuff. We're going to be, we'll be live and interactive in Kamloops, but you're going to have to tune in via the computer. Fortunately, we're doing what we can around this COVID stuff, and we're pretty confident that we'll we'll be able to be doing some live uh, in person stuff in the, in the near future here. But for now, this is what we're going to do for for March of twenty twenty two. So that's March twelfth. Get over and get registered asap. Yeah,
0: it's going to be a good time. Uh, tons of stuff going on, and uh, it, it sucks we can't get together in in person. But fingers crossed that can that'll that'll happen next year. So
1: yeah. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we're off to episode 65. Michael Hunter, enjoy the listen.
2: Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive. Pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire.
1: Welcome to the show, uh, Michael. It's uh, awesome to have you on. Really appreciate it. I, I know you're probably the busiest guy in the world and taking time for us. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Really stoked to have you on and just here, get get the latest on what's going on with uh, with antler. What's going on with you? I know you had a busy uh, you've been busy hunting this fall. I guess this winter really.
2: Yeah, I had a great hunt season. That's for sure. Um, you know, a little bit of travel mixed in. Um, got to hunt uh, you know elk for the first time, which was which was unbelievable. Um, that was in Colorado. Um, you know, I I believe you guys are in BC, so you're a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, have a little bit more access to uh, elk hunting than I do in Ontario. We, you know, have a relatively new season here, but it's uh, still a lottery draw. Um, it's very difficult to get tags for. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I've been, I've been putting in the, in for the draw for a number of years, you know, haven't been successful, um and then uh, a friend of mine invited me on a trip in Colorado which uh you know I obviously couldn't refuse so um yeah it's been a real great year for me yeah, I didn't even awesome. know they had elk in Ontario you know there's not a lot there's a small uh a small kind of wildlife management unit where they let uh they let us hunt um but yeah it is uh you know like I said it's it's a lottery draw and it's not common to get a tag
0: mm, crazy
1: very cool so we got a deal for you so yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we've got um we got uh, one of our brands is one campfire which is kind of talking to the non-hunter which is um you know having having you involved in in that in some capacity would be great it'd be awesome if uh you came out and did a hunt in bc with us um we got a couple people that would love to take you out um i, I would take you out but i i'm a, sh- a shitty elk hunter so i'm probably not <laughs> the best guy but uh take you out and, and love to have you uh, you know, go do a hunt and we could, it'd be pretty cool. We could probably video it and probably do some really cool stuff. And, mm-hmm. but then, awesome. you know, we'd force you to cook something for us. That's the only downside.
2: <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, you won't force me too hard cause I enjoy doing that. So, um, awesome. Yeah. I think that that's a pretty fair trade as far as I'm concerned.
1: Very cool. I well, always we should talk, talk offline on that for, for this fall, but, uh, um, well, cool. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, we'd like to touch a little bit on Michael is, is kind of where, your uh you know your love for the outdoors wildlife and and um and I guess you know your tie in with the the cooking industry and and you know you're becoming a professional chef you know maybe talk about that evolution I knew you, you grew up on a i think it was a horse farm in in southern ontario mm-hmm. um, so just talk to us a little bit about through that and where that came from and kind of where your passion for the outdoors came from
2: yeah well you know like you just mentioned I, I grew up on a horse farm and uh, you know, a big part of that you're in nature. So, you know, I've always been fond of nature. Um, you know, I actually grew up uh, fox hunting on horseback. So that was my introduction to hunting, uh, you know, which isn't really for food. It's, you know, more sport, sporting and, um, you know, predator control for, um, you know, to help farmers and ranchers um, with livestock. So, um, you know, I was introduced to, to that style of hunting uh, at a really young age and you um, Growing up, I was really always into food. You know, I was um, that kid at the party that was, you know, eating, you know, the shrimp ring and oysters and octopus and all sorts of, you know, funky stuff. And, um, yeah, I always loved food from a very young age. And I wound up working at a restaurant just as a part-time job um, in the summer before I started high school. So I I was at, uh, rode my bike to this diner and i actually applied to pump gas it was a little gas station diner um and the owner didn't need any help at the gas bar so he asked if i could work in the kitchen and i just wanted a job so i took it and i was washing dishes and doing some little prep jobs um but it was a really incredibly busy place so on the weekends there was like lineups out the door and they had a really great um brunch on a weekend so i eventually started you know working the line as a breakfast cook um and i enjoyed it i was uh you know it's fast paced it's fun there's a lot of young people in the kitchen and um you know from there i wound up working at a golf course cuz you know the pay was a little better um and i just i really enjoyed the social aspect of working in the kitchen um and you know as uh as my interest grew you know in in learning about the culinary arts and it all really revolves around you know using the best ingredients to start with, you know, our jobs as chefs, uh, is a lot easier, um, when you use, you know, organic, um, local produce just because it tastes so good. So, um, you know, the more I, I, I started gardening, you know, I had a vegetable garden when I was 17 because I, I just wanted to eat, you know, more natural food. And I think, I thought it just, you know, tasted so much better. So, um, when I went, uh, hunting for the first time, which was for wild Turkey, um, I couldn't really believe the flavor difference between wild turkey and farm turkey. And that's really what um, you know was the hook for me was that I, I didn't want to eat you know that farmed crap anymore. I wanted to eat you know the real deal. and um, you know kind of the rest was history after that.
1: Very cool. So, you know, growing up on the on the horse farm, was there th- that hunting? Did that start very young for you? Like that you said, your first hunt was that fox hunt. Were you, you pretty young at that age? Or yeah,
2: I was a was kid. That? Like I was, uh, you know, maybe ten or eleven years old. Um, I, you know, this picture my mom has this picture. I'm on a pony beside her on this great big horse. Um, you know, and you're, um, you're galloping through fields. You know, chasing after these hounds. It's a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat experience. Yeah, I I can imagine. Yeah, I would love yeah. to do that.
0: Can't hunt fox here. In, can't hunt fox here in BC, but you can uh, trap them. So I've had. Oh a yeah, okay. So it doesn't, do that, doesn't fall yeah. under.
2: Uh, you know, here they're under the small game license. Okay. Um, I've never actually shot one. Um, here, that, you know, we call it fox hunting, but it's um, it's more for coyote. Uh, at this right. point, the um, you know foxes aren't really that big of a problem, uh, but the coyotes here are just uh, yeah, you know, really overpopulated. Yeah, we got that
0: uh, with the coyotes and the wolves here. They're right. they're uh they're under the, your your regular license no okay. tag needed, but so yeah, yeah no foxes though.
1: Huh. Cool. So you went from uh working at the golf course so and then, you know, and now you know and, and your story professionally. So I guess let's let's just go down the path. I guess let's yeah. talk about, you know, your as a chef and your cuz really interesting story about, you know, getting your red seal and then the evolution and then you know why your passion for your own restaurant so let's just take us down that journey of how you got sure. to where you are today with antler please
2: yeah so you know like i said i was working at this golf course and then in the off season they would close you know november they were done for the year um so i wound up working at a small um you know kind of fine dining country in type of place where it was uh, i think 35 seats and you know there was a real chef working there whereas the golf course you know they used you know a powder to make gravy and uh mashed potatoes were in a bag and there were these i had these questions like why are we using frozen mashed potatoes like i've never seen this stuff at home um so you know uh in the off season i was working at this local country inn where you know the chef was making bread and stuffing sausages and um you know making fresh pasta so that was really where um my passion for like learning was, um, you know, really accelerated. And, um, you know, after, I think I worked there two, two winters, I worked there. And then, um, I think kind of by the third season I was done with the golf course, you know, I didn't want to be, um, you know, making sauce from powders anymore. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a real chef and, um, I, uh, I had my daughter when I was really young, I was just finishing high school. And, um, you know, I kind of made the decision at that point, like I've got all this experience cooking, I've, um, you know, I, I, I know what I want to do, so I'm just going to enroll in chef school. So I, um, I found a red seal, uh, apprenticeship program where I could go to school two days a week and then work the rest of the week and get paid. So, um, uh it was just you know it was it was it was a great program for me where i could you know get my education um, you know most of the school was sponsored by the government um because it was a red seal trade and uh i could still work and get paid so um you know just kind of worked out that that was that was the uh the program for me and uh, you know that sort of started my my journey as a chef and um you know working with uh you know this guy at the country inn who's still a close friend of mine today um you know, we learned a lot, you know, even together we started foraging. There was a park across the road um, where we would go on our break and uh, you know, we picked morels and um, wild leeks and all kinds of, um, you know, wild herbs and things like that for the restaurant. So, um, you know, for foraging just became kind of part of, um, you know, one of my hobbies. Um, uh, it, my friend kind of, told me that he was making maple syrup. And I was just like, what do you mean you're making maple syrup? And you know, he told me what store, uh, you know, was selling the taps. It was a farm supply store. Uh, you know, so I went and bought taps and started tapping trees on my friend's farm and, uh, boiling it down to make maple syrup. And it was just, you know, the food, um, you know, foraging and lifestyle just, you know, became a hobby. Um, and, uh, you know, it just—it's kind of all-encompassing. You know, my whole life revolves around food. The hunting is for food. The foraging is for food. You know, my work is for food. So I'm—I'm I'm pretty much just thinking about food uh, all day, every day.
1: Wow, that—that's intense. <laughs> um, so, so you you go through, you do your red seal. Um, and then are you back to the, the diner with your, your friend or, or is that when you obviously ended up in Toronto working in some very high end restaurants at some point. So how did that journey
2: take you? Yeah. You know, I didn't see my career really advancing working, um, you know, in the, in the country. Um, you know, it's definitely not as busy. Um, you know, the clientele aren't as adventurous. Um, so, you know, following the money, I I wanted to work in a, a restaurant downtown Toronto, um, you know, where I could significantly increase my salary and really try to make a living. Um, so I think the first Toronto restaurant I went to was Sassafras, which was in, uh, in Yorkville. Um, so it was, uh, you know, fine dining place, uh, extremely busy, you know, 140 seat dining room with a, you know, 80 seat patio and that event space upstairs. So, um, yeah, just a really, really you know, busy, high-end restaurant. um, And I stayed there for about four or five years. Um, And then from, you know, from there, I just kind of worked up the kind of culinary brigade, um, you know, as an apprentice to a line cook and, um, you know, chef de partie, sous chef, and chef de cuisine. And really spent uh, for the next 10 years, uh, you know, working in a couple different restaurants in Toronto, which um, really just led to opening my own restaurant. You know, when you work for somebody else, you, you know, really have to cater to what they want. It's their restaurant or, um, you know, their menu, or, you know, you have to propose a menu to the owners or, you know, in some cases there are larger restaurants and, and you know, there's a, you know, board of directors or what have you, and you kind of have to propose your ideas to other people. And, um, you know, game was something that I, I wanted to, to serve um, and, you know, was able to serve, you know, on occasion as a feature or, um, you know, a special or something like that, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't really allowed. A lot of places didn't want me to do uh, game as a, as a set menu item for, you know, whatever reason. Um, uh, so I, you know, obviously kind of becoming frustrated because my lifestyle was revolving around, around hunting and wild game. And I didn't want to eat, um, you know, farm stuff at home. Um, and I wanted to kind of share that with diners and that was important to me as a chef. Um, so. Um, I I worked for a famous chef at one point at a restaurant called Scarpetta. um, And he handed me a cookbook when I first started. It was his. um, And I, you know, I thought, well, Scott's a regular guy and he seems like a regular guy. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's got a book, you know, what's stopping me from working on a book. And, um, you know, so about 12 years ago, I got this idea that um, I'm going to start working on a book about wild food. You know, everyone I talk to about foraging and hunting. You know, and my friends and family circle, um, you know, wanted me to talk to them about it or teach them or take them with me. So I thought, you know, a book would be a really cool idea um, because what I was doing, you know, it's not new. You know, as you guys know, it's, you know, where we came from as, as uh, you know, humans from uh, hunting and gathering. But, you know, living in a city, uh, it's not something that's, you know, quite common um you know living in toronto certainly most of my friends here don't hunt um so it was uh, it was really interesting for me to kind of go down this path and start working on this cookbook
1: so okay so there's a bunch of stuff i want to jump into there but uh first of all let's talk about your evolution as a chef like was this just all so obviously you went to a really good school you got your red seal um you had some really good mentorship through you know people you've worked through over the past but was it always just natural for you to just to kind of have a vision of like, oh, this would be really good paired with this, or or was there a lot of learning? Like, you know, you know, obviously you've been very successful in everything you've done, Michael. So, is it kind of uh, has it been a natural progression, or is it just like you, you know, you you know, you're you're one of those people that just you know the that it's it stood out for you. It was just obvious that this is the way it has to be done, and it comes naturally to you, uh, or is it kind of a combination? Obviously, lots of hard work, uh, not undermining that, of course, but.
2: Yeah, you know, I it's a difficult career. So, you know, you you have to put in a lot of hours. You start off making, you know, next to nothing. Um, you know, a lot of chefs are uh, kids in culinary school now. Uh, you know, their programs have uh, you know, internship which is, you know, not even paid. So, um it's it's a tough grind as far as the trades go. It's probably one of the lowest paying trades. Um, you know, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, they all start out making um, you know, uh, I would say at least 50% more than the culinary students are making. Um, so it was, it was really just, you know, passion um, for me that was driving it. Um, and I just, I loved the kitchen. It's uh, it's fast paced. There's high adrenaline. Um, you know, like I said before, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of young people in the kitchen, a lot of young, uh, you know, servers and stuff like that. Um, so it was, I found it just a really fun uh, environment to be in. Um, And I also had a kid at home. So when I was 20, I had a, you know, one-year-old kid at home. So I really just had to work my butt off um, because I wanted to succeed. I wanted to, you know, we were, um, you know, my in-laws kind of built us a little apartment in the basement of their house where we, you know, raised my daughter for the first five years of her life. So I was just incredibly motivated to make a living and, um, you know, support my family.
1: Very cool. But so out of all that, so there's how many chefs in, you know, Southern Ontario, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> um, but you're the guy that ends up on Rogan. You're the guy that ends up with a cookbook. Um, you know, so, it, you know, it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, obviously a very humble guy and worked very hard your entire life. So, you know, and I guess, so I guess that's one thing that uh, I'd like to hear from you, you know, when you self-identify, so now you, you're obviously, you own Antler, you've, you're, you're a small business owner. Um, you're a, uh, Chef, you are a hunter. You are a father. Um, what do you identify as when somebody says, "What do you do?" Um, you know, if somebody was to meet you on an airplane, <laughs> didn't know who Michael Hunter was. Who, who are you? What, what would you <laughs> self-identify as?
2: I usually tell people that uh, you know I am a restaurant owner and a chef is really you know what uh, what I tell people. Um, you know the 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 cookbook and um, you know the hunt- hunting industry is you know very new to me. Um, you know the cookbook came out uh, uh, the fall of twenty twenty, I believe. 2021 um so yeah the, the book's about a year old um um at this point year and a half old um so yeah you know i, I usually just tell people that i'm a chef and restaurant owner um you know especially on, a, on an airplane there's a lot of people that don't understand uh, hunting so um <laughs> yeah you know but definitely um uh i'm i'm trying to um you know kind of make way in the in the hunting industry in, in canada the united states so
0: well, I love awesome. the book. I, I've had it for a while. Like awesome. it's got Thank you. The the, the the flipper pie. I haven't tried oh, it yet, yeah, <laughs> <obviously>, but <laughs> I'm flipping through it and found it and showed the wife. She's like,
2: what the? Yeah, you know what? what? We, yeah. That's uh, that's a bit. Of, that one's a bit of an acquired taste. I oh, enjoy it. Uh, I've made it for staff at the restaurant and it was kind of like 50-50 where, where <laughs> I loved it and 50-50 hated it. So, um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Seal's a really interesting uh, yeah. product. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but, uh, there is, uh, there's a huge overpopulation of seals right now in Canada. Yeah, let's get into it a bit. And, um, uh, you know, people just, they think of seal hunting and this is, you know, horrible thing, but, um, you know, there's... Uh, I forget the numbers, but there's millions of seals on the East coast and really the population is supposed to just really be in the hundreds of thousands. Um, and they're actually screwing up the water quality for, um, you know, schools of salmon, uh, and the natural, um, you know, aquatic life that live on the East coast. So, um, uh, yeah, again, really interesting product. Um, and, and, you know, the, the whole, you know, seal fur ban and things that are happening in the world um, are actually hurting indigenous communities that you know hunt seal for food and the fur is really a byproduct Um, but you know people have this image of you know clubbing seals well you know that's not how they hunt seals use rifles um and uh you know seal clubbing is actually illegal they have to be a certain size you know they're not hurting baby seals so um you know really controversial you know ingredient to work with but if you actually look at you know the laws around it it, it it makes a lot of sense to eat it as a protein um you know it's, it's talked about as being a natural you know renewable resource uh, really high in protein iron you know really great for you um but as a, as a chef working with it you know raw is really uh is really flavorful um you know t- making a tartar or like a seared raw tataki things like that uh, but when you cook it and cook it out it really brings out that fishy flavor um which you get in the flipper pie so um you know the flipper pie is made you know there's lots of onions and turnips and sort of sweeter vegetables and and bacon to kind of offset that uh that fishiness uh which i kind of like that taste but there's a lot of people that it's it it, it is off-putting so <laughs> but the history of that one is uh, my aunt that's and, pretty awesome and and uh, she gave me a recipe uh which you know i credit her in the book for so uh, oh awesome you know, that's kind of how that came to be in the book
0: yeah what I think's really cool about the book is it it's not uh what you'd expect at, at face value. You go, okay, hunter chef, you'll have deer, he'll have moose, he'll have grouse, but you, you, look through it and off the top of my head, you, you got things like elk, uh, there's wild Turkey. I remember pigeon being in there, yeah. uh, squirrel. It's all stuff. That's <laughs> a little bit outside of the norm. Yeah. For somebody that would be looking at it at first. And like, there's desserts in there that, uh, we, we tried, uh, some fudge and some of oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the tarts and just unreal stuff. It's, it's a, it's a big hit in this book and I, I applaud you for it.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, I wanted it to be, you know, all things wild food, you know, not just hunting. So there's a, you know, there's a fish and forage section and a little mushroom guide, uh, you know, for beginners to, to work with. Um, and again, you know, I want it to be uh, a little different. All the desserts feature maple syrup. Um, and there's actually, I think there's about 10 cocktails from Antler um, that we have in the book too. Um, you know, they're, they're using some kind of wild herb or, or maple syrup as the sweetener. Um, so yeah, it's, it, you know, it was, uh, it was, it worked out to be about a 10 year project. Um, and it's actually kind of how Antler started. Um, my, uh, my business partner at the restaurant is actually, um, you know, family related. Um, uh, his, his, how does this work? His step, my, uh, his stepbrother married my sister. That's how it goes. So, um. I was telling his mom at a family function that I was working on a cookbook um, and I like photography. I'd, I bought a camera, um, but she said that uh, her son, uh, Jody, was actually a photographer, but he was taking cooking classes at George Brown. Um, so we ended up uh, connecting and I, I, I offered him to uh, to come and hang out at the restaurant and learn about food. And he offered to help me with the cookbook. So that's, um, that's actually how we started to, uh, uh, you know, shooting shooting some plated stuff for the book, but also it's kind of how Antler started because um, we we kind of realized it'd be really nice to have a home where we could, you know, work on the book and, and uh, you know, cook this kind of food together.
1: Right on. So for our listeners, yeah. Likewise, Michael, I, I have the book as well. I got it. My sons gave it to me for Christmas and uh, oh, cool. I just tried a few recipes. I Just two weeks ago, I did the um, venison chili and just a huge hit. Uh, my wife's oh, nice. not crazy mm-hmm. on anything that's a little overly gamey so that the venison chili obviously was a nice one and um yeah had had friends over they loved it so just yeah great book so for the listeners um michael's book is called the hunter chef cookbook um and it's it's fantastic for especially for anyone that's a hunter fisherman or forager there's um Mm -hmm. butchering guides on how to butcher deer duck wild turkey um yeah just a, a great book where can they get it if they want to pick it up michael
2: um you know pretty much all bookstores uh cabela's has it um amazon uh my website thehunterchef.com. there's a store button where we we actually sell signed copies and ship them out from antler um is a is another option um but yeah chapters indigo amazon you know wherever wherever you're shopping uh should have it awesome
1: uh yeah very cool really enjoy it and uh yeah just it, not only is it, it you know it's really a. A coffee table piece if, if you I, I don't keep it on my bookshelf i actually set it in the, the living room so that when guests come they can look at it it's such oh, a cool just, a be- just it's so beautiful just artistically it's beautiful mm-hmm. and then you know once you get into it it's gorgeous as well so thank you um cool okay so um let's touch let's dive back let's go back to this this seal stuff and talk about and and you know you're no sh- um you're not afraid of a little controversy <laughs> yeah. um You've been on the National Post a few times and, uh, you, you know, you've, you've made the uh, national news more than once. Um, and, and there's been obviously some controversy uh, being in Toronto, being serving wild game, um, you know, obviously some controversy there as well. So, um, you know, let's, let's just touch back on that seal um, issue that we talked about. And, you know, it's a sustainable hunt. Um, it's great protein. Um, you know, there's all the right reasons to do it. But then yeah. we get the starlets on there. We get the, you know, uh, Pamela Anderson. We get um, the Beatles, uh, who was it? McCartney was jumping in on that bandwagon yeah. and his wife. So, you know, wh- why is this such an appealing uh, thing for – how does it become so controversial? Is it because, of, you know, the, the whole, you know, um, charismatic megafauna or the beautiful, you know, the tiny little sheep – or, sorry, seal or whatever. I, I don't I, – I always – I always don't quite understand why it becomes such a wedge issue when it's no different than, you know, harvesting veal or whatever the case may be. Um, Can can you touch on that and how we as a society, we can move forward together on the sustainability and and focus on that instead?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I think it's a complex issue and I'm I'm definitely not a psychologist. You know, (laughs) I'd love to hear what Jordan Peterson thinks on the issue, but, um, you know, I've always – Told my kids growing up that uh, you know the food you know meat doesn't come from the grocery store, you know it comes from an animal. Um, you know I, I used to hang deer off my daughter's swing set growing up, where she could see and touch the animal and you know give thanks to the animal and really respect where her food comes from. Um, but you know as a chef in the restaurant, you know there was a time um, you know when I was an apprentice where um, people, at least in Ontario, um, and I think you know Canada and the United States. They, they would freak out if you serve them a whole fish with the head and the eyes and the fins and stuff because they can see that it's a dead fish, you know, um, whereas in other parts of the world and Asia and Europe, you know, uh, people love the whole fish. They like to eat the eyes and the cheeks and the tongue and stuff like that. So um, I think people here are very sheltered uh, when it comes to where their food comes from and they you know i think things are changing now but you know there's a large part of the population that doesn't want to know where their food comes from they Mm -hmm. want to believe that the meat comes from this pretty little styrofoam package in the grocery store and there's a thing underneath that soaks up all the blood and there's you know it's visually appealing it's red and um you know i i i think a lot of people are just sheltered from where their food comes from so um you know these organizations that want to uh you know polarize hunting or or you know, animal products and they're showing the cute, cuddly, you know, baby seal face and they want you to identify and, um, you know, believe their cause that, you know, we shouldn't be eating these or hurting these animals. Um, but, you know, a lot of people eat you know, have to eat meat to survive and, um, you know, you can't uh, be very difficult at least to have a vegan diet if you lived in the Arctic, you know, or you live in certain parts of Canada, you know, our my growing season at home where I live is probably about three and a half, four months tops. Um, you know, I can't, uh, what, you know, how am I gonna survive in the winter? You know, I'm, am I gonna, you know, as, as a carbon footprint thing, if you wanna talk about that, am I gonna buy, you know, quinoa that's flown from South America? Am I going to eat, you know, tofu from monocrop soy that's, you know, made in Asia or flown from, you know, United States or Mexico? Like, um, you know, I think people are really naive when it comes to, you know, what's good for the planet and what's good for their diet, and um, you know, and everybody has the right to choose, you know, and I think for me that the controversy we dealt with, um, at Antler when we had vegans protesting our restaurant was, you know, you can't tell me what I can eat, you know, like, you know, nothing about me. Like, uh, you know, uh, what if I was allergic to soy? Like, it's just, it's just ridiculous that there's, uh, you know, groups of people trying to control what people eat. Um, you know, when, Uh, You know, we have canine teeth. I believe we're, you know, by evolution, meat eaters. Um, And if you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. And you're more than welcome to come to Antler and I'm happy to cook for you. Um, But, you know, you can't uh, tell me what I should and shouldn't consume as a human being.
1: Well, it's interesting. And, you know, we won't go down that rabbit hole today because we could spend four (laughs) hours talking about it. (laughs) But you know, you know these, um, you know mass crops, these monocrops, and and the land that's lost, and you know w- what that's done to uh, you know wildlife and and all species. Right, we're not just talking about one or two deer. We're talking about you know everything from frogs to shrews to to moles to birds. You know yeah. th- that that land is being and honestly, habitat loss is probably the biggest um, you know threat to wildlife in Canada right now, for sure. Yeah. I would think that that predation probably, but, uh, habitat loss is one of the big ones. And, and a big part of that is the agriculture community, nothing against the ag community, but it's a reality, right?
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, we have to, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I don't, I don't know what the answer. I don't know if we have to farm like that to feed the amount of people we have on this earth. But I think if people were a little bit more responsible about, you know, maybe growing food themselves, even if you have a condo, you can have a, a, you know, balcony garden uh, or at least an herb garden or some tomatoes or something to offset where you buy your food from. But, um, you know, the world has evolved a lot since the the days of the little family run farm. And uh, when people neglect to, you know, I think take responsibility where their food comes from, there's no other option but to, you know go to the grocery store. It's, um, you know, we've, we've definitely gone in a weird direction over the last hundred years of where our food comes from. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, cattle ranching millions of cows is really the answer either. Um, you know, and that's why I, I choose to hunt. I, I think the animals have a, you know, better life in the wild. And, um, you know, I think dying, you know, from a hunter is a lot better than dying from them, you know, being eaten alive by a pack of wolves. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a very interesting uh, interesting debate. Um, and I think the people uh, people that are uh, you know on the other side uh, don't even want to look at the facts you know where hunters are coming from. They you know they just instantly identify um, that it's you know wrong and they're not open to discussion.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel that there has been an evolution even in, you know, these past few years and I, you know, maybe it's my perception because I'm a hunter, but I I just feel that things have changed. There is a bit more of a recognition of, about sustainability, being more responsible on the, on the planet, Um, knowing where your food's coming from. I think COVID's maybe exasperated this a little bit. What's your experience? And you know, you're, I, I'm in, just for the sake of clarity, I'm in downtown Victoria sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, in some capacity a a familiar environment to what you're living in downtown Toronto there. So um, from, from your experience, have you seen an evolution in the last 10 years um, from where it's come to, to where we are today? Or is it just the same thing? It's just, we've gotten used to it. We're tuning out the noise.
2: You know, as for like, you know, I mentioned how when I was growing up in restaurants, people would freak out if you saw a whole fish, you know, at least in Toronto, I think that is, that has changed um, a lot. I think, um, you know, especially with COVID, I, I remember when COVID first hit, we, you couldn't buy glass jars, you know, I already had the jars. I was trying to buy lids to, you know, do my canning. Um, and it was incredibly difficult to find lids. And it was kind of interesting that, you know, more and more people now all of a sudden when there was, you know, threats to the supply chain that were, people were rushing out to, you know, buy canning jars, you know, and I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, when all restaurants in Canada were shut down, you know, people were, um, know now all of a sudden having to cook at home um you know the the cookbook sold very well um in canada and the u.s because you know people were turning to new ways to cook at home um you know statistically i think the hunting numbers are actually up uh and firearm ownership is up Mm -hmm. um you know so i think people are taking an interest in hunting and you know learning more about where their food comes from and you know taking part in those traditions or at least wanting to learn about them. you know, what really blows my mind is the, uh, you know, the new emphasis on, you know, plant, uh, you know, plant fake meats, uh, you know, beyond meat and and these types of products. Um, because I, I think they're absolute, you know, garbage. You know, you, I don't understand half the ingredients are in there when I read the label. Um, you know, and there's no real knowledge of is this stuff actually safe to eat Mm -hmm. it's just bizarre um you know i've 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 actually tested some of these things and eaten them and you know i think they taste good but you know at the end of the day it's just junk food as far as i'm concerned when you look at the ingredients so um you know i don't i don't think it's uh i don't think it's the answer when it comes to food security is to switch to um you know plant-based you know fake meat Yeah, I I had the same issue here when
0: COVID first hit, trying to find jars and stuff, because I I make jellies and jams and all that from wild edibles, and it was the same thing. Like People looked at you because you were buying uh, 12 jars or... 24 lids they, they looked at you like you were hoarding yeah it was it was cr- absolutely crazy and yeah, yeah this You're like this I do reliance. this every year
1: <laughs> what <are you> <laughs> <about>? <laughs>
0: exactly exactly like I've, I've sent Kyle some jelly as well right yeah it's uh, it's like it's, it's not a new thing for for people like us and yeah, yeah food food shouldn't have ingredients like that it it is an yeah. ingredient right like when we go to the freezer it's get out a pack of moose get out of the back of deer right it's one thing and yeah it's it's
2: um and what makes me sad about the grocery store is it is very difficult to go to the grocery store and not leave with any plastic you know like they're wrapping uh you know their apples come in plastic bags and cauliflower is wrapped in plastic and everything everything is just continuously wrapped in plastic um you know and and what what kind of hurts when the government makes these you know carbon tax uh you know laws and 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 things like we're being punished for for you know pollution it's not really our fault like you know not everyone can run out and just buy an electric car overnight like it's you know and where does the uh, ingredients for these batteries where is that coming from and you know how much diesel fuel does it take to actually mine this lithium like there's there, you know there's <laughs> really uh you know more debate needed on these subjects and it's uh you know it's, i think it's kind of sad what's what's happening right now in canada you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm Vancouver. You guys have it worse. Uh, BC has it worse than we do in Ontario. But the price of gas is just—it's like you know, becoming unaffordable. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't have any other options. I drive a truck for work. Uh, you know, in my lifestyle, and uh, you know, I have probably one of the most fuel-efficient trucks out there. Uh, and it's—it's it's ludicrous that I'm being punished for having to you know use mm-hmm. a truck for work.
0: Yeah, I grew up in Vancouver and moved to Prince George about 15 years ago, and I—I I mm-hmm. haven't looked back. Yeah.
1: So um, let's touch a little bit on the controversy around Antler. So obviously you guys uh, started the restaurant, you started serving um, wild game. And then uh, I guess that kind of being in downtown Toronto, the location and interesting reading that some of your former bosses were like, we can't serve wild meat. It's going to be controversial. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but let, let's serve wild meat. So yeah. <laughs> um, talk, t- take us through that journey. And I want to yeah. hear the story about, butchering it in your front window you got to tell that story for us
2: for sure so um yeah just for you know maybe people listening that may not know so all of our game is uh, is farmed so we can't you know i can't drag a deer into the restaurant and sell it um you know legally in canada uh you know newfoundland's a different story uh, you know parts of europe and you know other parts of the world you can but um, uh, you know, most of Canada, you can't. So, you know, all of our game comes from um, local game farms, and our bison comes from Alberta. Um, wild seal is actually falls under fish, um, so that's how people can hunt and sell seal is because they have a commercial fishing license. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely you know a unique concept, um, probably one of the first of its kind, in a, you know maybe in a long time in uh, in Ontario anyway, um, and. One of our staff wrote, uh, we used to, you know, play around on our chalkboard sign and um, one of our staff wrote, venison is the new kale on our chalkboard sign. It was at that time where kale salads were the most popular thing, uh, you know, in Canada, United States. And um, there was a vegan cyclist who was part of a, uh, I guess, vegan activist group. And they would protest, those a few slaughterhouses in Toronto and Etobicoke that they would pro- protest at. So the leader of this group uh, rode by our chalkboard sign, you know, noticed Venison, I guess, uh, looked up the restaurant, looked up me and decided we were gonna be uh, their next target. Um, So for the following three months, they came with their little group of, uh, you know, five to 10 people, um, you know, with signs and a megaphone and, um, you know, basically just harassing us, harassing our customers, harassing our staff. Uh, once a week, they came for three or four months, um, and I would always leave the restaurant and take the night off because I was, you know, so pissed. And there was one day where I couldn't leave; someone was off, maybe on vacation. I forget why I had to stay there. But uh, we had just got um, we uh, we buy deer from a local deer farm and we buy it whole. Um, he uh, he usually sells to butcher shops and stuff like that, and he doesn't have really processing room or equipment, so. Um, he, he would only sell to us whole. So that morning we had a deer delivered and, um, you know, I was so fed up. I just decided, well, they're going to, you know, disrespect us and our staff and uh, harass us. Well, I'm going to do something to you know upset them. So I took a, a deer leg, cut off the back uh, leg and got a cutting board and went to the front window and started to, you know, debone and joint the uh deer leg in front of them as my you know protest back um and they filmed it and put it online and um you know it went uh it went viral after three days of uh, floating around online and um yeah just you know brought us international attention and uh you know this this nightmare (laughs) went on for 11 months they protested us once a week and um, you know, after it went viral, uh, uh, you know, major news outlets were coming and there was hundreds of people outside and, you know, counter protesters. And it was just, uh, it was kind of like dinner and a show, uh, at Antler for, for that <laughs> year.
1: <laughs> so was that good for business, Michael, or was it, would you, would you have done without it? What, where, where do you stand? You know,
2: um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a touchy subject to say it was good for business because we were trying to get an injunction uh, to get them to stop, actually. So we were going through these legal means, um, you know, where I was uh, really forbidden to say it was good for business because we were trying to get rid of them. So, um, you know, it definitely brought us international attention, um, you know, uh, international publicity, um, you know, but it was uh, extremely frustrating. The. um you know, it brought crazy people from both sides of the, uh, kind of spectrum out, um, you know, death threats to me and my family online. And, um, yeah, I, I, definitely wouldn't ever want it to happen again. Um, you know, did it make us busier, you know, in the long run? Um, you know, maybe, but, um, yeah, it was just, you know, we had to hire a security guard. we had to hire a crisis PR firm. Um, you know, it was just, a, 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 an incredible amount of stress, um, you know, for the business that it did bring in.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so where do you sit with all that now? Like, is it kind of waned a bit or do you still get, do you have issues around that or is it kind of gone away?
2: Um, it's, it's pretty well gone away at this point. Um, you know, we get the random comment from somebody on, uh, Instagram or Facebook that, you know, discovers it for the first time. Um, uh, you know, every now and now and again, somebody, posts about it online or there's a news article you know online somewhere and we get either some support or some online hate because of it but um yeah it's really kind of non-existent these days
1: and where are you guys sitting now with uh with covid and everything that's going on Uh, has obviously it's been pretty rough for the restaurant industry as a whole with covid but uh how, how are you guys faring and where do you guys sit right as of today i guess
2: yeah so ontario was uh probably one of the hardest our most strictest provinces, um, for COVID-19, um, we're currently running at 50% capacity by law. Um, and that is being lifted Thursday. Thankfully, they just announced, uh, yesterday that that was going to be lifted on Thursday. And then, uh, at the end of the month, we get to get rid of the, um, vaccine passport that, uh, we've been forced to, um, you know, put people through. Feel that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, you know, whether it's the right thing to do or not, it's not really fair to put that on restaurants uh, to enforce, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not the police, mm-hmm. you know, I, I shouldn't have to police people and uh, take on those responsibilities. So I'm very happy to get rid of that.
1: Cool. Um, yeah. We're, we're done. We're ready. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's say uh, no, it's been let's, two years, let's get-
2: you know, um, like I said, I've been in the States quite a bit. Uh, over the last two years and um, you know after a few months some states were done with it and and, yeah uh, you know all my friends are still alive and uh, their grandparents are safe and you know sure Mm -hmm. people have died but you know they've sort of replaced flu deaths with COVID deaths and um, you know at the end of the day I'm not a doctor and I don't study these this data but uh, you know other countries have moved on with their lives and I think it's time that Canada does the same
1: yeah, for sure. Well, we can uh, we can definitely go down a rabbit hole with that one too. So <laughs> yeah. let's 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 segue. Let's yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I would like to know is what's your uh, what's your favorite recipe out of the re- the book? I, if I if I got the meat, I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna do it. So I want to hear what
1: you. Recommend.
2: Okay, um, the tortiere, the Christmas Eve tortiere, is uh, is definitely one mm-hmm. of my favorites. Um, you know, you can use any kind of meat. You know, I think there's three or four kinds of meat in that pie, and you can substitute stuff. So that's kind of a fun one. Um, I really like the venison shank tagine, uh, sort of some Moroccan spices in there, Um, really flavorful. And you mentioned that your your wife's not into the gamey, funky flavor. Um, Any of the dishes in there that are braised or smoked for long periods of time um, really mask that gaminess. I think it just uh, it really you kind of cook out that gamey flavor. Um, So any of the stewed recipes in there would be you know sort of good for um, good for your family as. not into the gaminess um
1: cool the, the uh, torte my, my wife makes that every year at christmas oh really? okay, with, with whatever that. i so a couple years ago it was caribou i got a caribou <laughs> that year um and i don't I, I actually she i'm not sure if she did the venison one this year or not but uh anyway we'll we're gonna i'll get her to do that recipe this year for christmas <laughs> nice yeah yeah very cool um Okay, cool. So now, with regards to you and your your passion, you talk, you're a forager, you're a gardener, you're a hunter. Uh, Is there one that you prefer? Like, do you prefer to forage? Do you prefer to hunt? Do you prefer, or is it just uh, that lifestyle? Like, all of them, you don't have to I think
2: it's kind of everything, you know. Um, There's one thing I kind of want to do more fishing. Um, I'm I'm starting to, uh, you know, try and get more into fishing. But I just, I love it. People ask me, you know, what's your favorite? dish or what's your favorite thing to eat and it's really you know whatever's in season you know at that time so um you know i'm really enjoying you know some of my elk meat and things like that right now but um you know i've been ice fishing a little bit with some friends and family right and and you know yellow perch and walleye um you know are just amazing you know to to enjoy right now so you know in the summertime you know i What's my favorite thing? Well, a tomato that's hot from the sun, you know, and Mm -hmm. so sweet. You make a tomato salad with fresh mozzarella cheese and basil like it's you can't really beat that you know so um really just whatever's in season i i enjoy uh getting outside and and uh you know looking for whether it's you know morel mushrooms uh, turkey season is one of my favorites because you can shoot a turkey and pick morels and wild leeks and stuff them all together you know so um it's really you know whatever's in season at that time is my favorite to go for
1: very cool. So favorite hunt then is it just again what's in season depends where you're at like or i guess what's your most memorable hunt when you think back of all the hunting you've done ever back back
2: to when you were that young boy and that horse what yeah. what's your favorite? <laughs> I think my you know my first turkey hunt still was pretty hard to beat um you know new to hunting and um turkey hunting can be so difficult and frustrating at times. And, um, yeah, I think I talked about in the book that, you know, 12 birds came out and it was just a sort of magical hunt. Um, you know, we shot two birds and it was, it was uh, just really incredible. So, you know, that's up there, you know, you know, my first deer and things like that. And, um, I love archery hunting. It's not something I do a lot of these days, uh, just because of time, um, and, uh, and land where I can hunt and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I love it all.
1: Now if you if you okay you get a somebody says okay you can do anything you want michael go anywhere do anything where what would you do what hunt would you go on maybe what fishing <laughs> trip would you know if you could if there was no restrictions you had all the time in the world all the money yeah. no anything you wanted
2: what would you Um you know there's a few, there's definitely a few on my bucket list Um, I, have sadly been on a a number of moose hunts and never shot a moose. So definitely moose is on there. Um, you know, I'd love to go sheep hunting or or goat hunting, you know, in BC. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, big, big game for sure. Still, um, you know, and, and, mountain hunts, you know, I hunt in Ontario, you know, we're hunting from a stand or I can drive in and drive out. You know, I, uh, I really enjoyed my, you know, Colorado elk hunt where I could hike up the mountain um you know i i still want to hunt in bc and set up a base camp somewhere and, and hike around i think that would be that would be pretty fun
0: a moose hunt you Very say cool. literally yeah. i kick i kick them out of my yard oh dude! bi-weekly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bi-weekly so yeah let's let's make that happen for you permit right, to comp- permit to a company there you go done yeah. and done Are you going to set up a tree stand in your backyard, Steve? You've been to my house. You you (laughs) just sit on the deck and shoot them in the forest right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when you went on your – Colorado elk hunt. Did you you guys get an elk? How'd you make out?
2: I did, yeah. So um, I actually wanted to shoot one on the first day. There was a beautiful five by five, Um, but uh, my guide said, "Oh no, you know, we can we can do better." You know, he was after a six by six or something a little bigger, more mature. But um, as a chef, you know, I'm 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 a meat hunter for the most part. Um, you know, this happened to be on film and uh, we're with a guide and they are trying to showcase the resort lodge, you know, that we were at. So, um, they wanted me to get something bigger. So I was sort of cursing him for the next three days as I was dying in the elevation. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think the third day I was trying to shoot a spike cause I just wanted to eat something, but, um, uh, I, I ended up on the fourth day, um, uh, shooting a real nice mature, uh, six by five. So, um, you know, really great. Uh, uh, experience and, uh, and was able to, you know, harvest a nice mature bull.
1: Cool. So in the book you talk about the, you know, using all parts of the animal and, and, and of course the name of the the book, uh, your restaurant is antler. Um, yeah. what, like, what do you, what did you do with your six by five? You take it home and mount it or did you, I know you talked about your wedding ring. I think, I think I read your wed- wedding rings made out of, uh, antler. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Yeah do you what'd you do with your six by five then do you bring it home and mount it or you use it for other stuff or what'd
2: you yeah you know i don't have it yet so i i just did a skull mount i don't think like a euro i don't think i have uh i don't have the room to do a shoulder mount um so the euro's done and i was actually waiting for i got the the hide uh turned into a rug so i think i was just waiting for the the hide uh so i can pick it up you know all together um, I actually tried to ship the meat home, uh, frozen, um, and that, it turned out to be a, a pain. So I ended up having to fly back and get it. Um, uh, but yeah, I got, I got it all and it's, it's home and in the freezer now.
1: Cool. That's awesome um what's your plan this year for hunts you got anything do you do any spring hunts there's spring be- is it spring bear in ontario or did they cancel the spring hunt i can't remember yeah, no
2: no so we've got we've got spring bear and uh and fall uh, sorry spring turkey as well so um okay uh yeah tur- turkey is one of my favorite things to be doing so i'll be out there you know opening day um i've actually got some friends uh coming up uh, from brazil that i'm going to take out turkey hunting um and then uh, last year I did Alberta spring bear too, which was a lot of fun. So I might I might go back for that. Um, yeah, we we actually have a nuisance uh, Canada goose hunt in a couple of weeks that my friends and I really enjoy. So we're we're uh, kind of doing some scouting, getting ready for that. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the next uh, immediate future goals anyway
1: awesome uh any do your do your offspring any of them hunt have you had them out or what is what's the plan?
2: There? <laughs> so yeah both uh, my daughter and my wife i've got their gun license and hunting license now and then um my son is turning 12 so he will be doing his uh, we've just actually signed him up for the hunter ed course yeah. and um yeah this you might actually get it before the goose season so hopefully he can you know legally accompany, accompany us um you know, for the, for the goose and if not, definitely Turkey for sure. Awesome. That's
1: very cool. Um, okay. So, you know, you've, you've done it all right. You, you, you're a hunter, a gatherer, forager, fisherman, uh, small business owner. You've been, you know, you you've been in the national news, uh, you've got your restaurant. So what's, what's the future for Michael Hunter? Where do you, where do you go from here? Just, uh, you know, you just, ride the wave or you got, uh, aspirations? Is there another cookbook coming? What's the plan for you for the future?
2: Yeah. Pre COVID we were trying to, um, open a second restaurant we were trying to buy a building and, um, you know, COVID crushed, crushed that project. So, um, yeah, we're just trying to figure out what the next steps are, you know, let the dust settle, I think on the economy a little bit before we you know, rush into, uh, purchasing a property, but, um yeah you know definitely want to keep keep growing you know I, I don't think standing still is ever uh you know a good idea um you know at least at my age and um yeah you know second cookbook uh, i'm starting to work on one um you know no release date or anything is still a bit early um but yeah so you know still continuing with with restaurants and and uh, another cookbook for sure
1: cool so with regards to the restaurant now do you, how much do you spend back in like getting your hands dirty i'm guessing almost not if you're cooking you're cooking for yourself you're probably not doing much in the restaurant or are you back there working away
2: um so i'm there um you know at least four four days a week um you know when i'm not out hunting so um you know i i, I try not to uh, to work the line or or uh you know be the prep guy anymore but there's definitely occasions when um, people are off or sick or on vacation. I fill in the gaps still. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on, you know, growing the business and, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to grow the business when I'm the guy peeling onions. So it's, um, it's definitely hard to step, take a step back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm focusing on growth right now.
1: So, you know, so you've kind of evolved from, you know, you, obviously you're still well steeped as a chef, but, you know, it's now kind of evolved to that business owner aspect and, and growth and that. Do you miss just going back into the kitchen, putting the apron on
2: and just building stuff? <laughs> I do. You know, we still work on new dishes. When I'm working on new dishes, uh, you know, we have a chef to cuisine now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, still, I still do, uh, you know, some work in the kitchen. Um, you know, when I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of the uh, stuff that nobody likes to do falls onto me when it's fixing things or, uh, um, you know, dealing with leaks and plumbing problems. So a lot of that, you know, stuff that's no fun falls onto me. So, um, you know, when our ceiling was leaking the other day from a leak in the roof, I was, uh, certainly missing just working in the kitchen. That's for sure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt. that oh, was interesting you uh you mentioned uh well we had a, had to set up a week or two ago and then you know same thing right there, there was a a bit of a minor emergency you had a bunch you needed all hands on deck and uh, and we rescheduled that so uh yeah the ever ever moving schedule of a business owner
2: right. <laughs> so. Yeah, the restaurant industry is uh is a tough one. Everything something's always breaking and there's there's uh, staffing issues. It's always, you know, it's never a dull moment in that kitchen. That's for
1: sure. Uh, it's crazy. My son works in a restaurant locally here, too, and he just oh, said really? that you, if you've seen the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just a, yeah, shenanigans, right? So Yeah. Um, the movie Waiting. Uh, awesome. kind of I was going to say Waiting. waiting. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that movie. It's not the same I, I for think, every place, but it's yeah. just. Uh, it's I don't so think happy. I ate in a restaurant. So much of, yeah. yeah, I don't think I ate in a restaurant for a couple of years after watching that. Yeah. It's so angry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh awesome well hey michael i know we've taken a bunch of your day today and i'm really grateful for this i thank you so much for coming on the show and uh and yeah, yeah i'd love to talk to you maybe we can uh, try and do this again after your fall hunt and catch up and see what what's going on in the industry and um and your latest happenings and talk about your fall and go from there but thank you again for coming on the show for today Sure.
2: yeah thanks guys thanks for having me really pleasure uh, you know getting to meet you both and and uh, you know please keep in touch definitely awesome keep
1: up the great work thanks for all you do
2: thanks guys